word comes to us from Acts chapter 4. You may turn there in your Bibles at this time. It is also printed in our worship folder for tonight. Acts chapter 4. We're going to begin our reading at verse 23 and then read through verse 31 of this chapter. Acts 4, beginning at verse 23. What we hear now is God's Word. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight, as we move forward in our study of the book of Acts, we are actually continuing uh, the story that began back in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, remember, we have the story of Peter and John and the healing of the lame man. As they had healed this lame man, they are called to account uh, by the council. The council notices that although they are unschooled men, they seem to speak with authority. They had been with Jesus. And they warned them. They warned them not to speak at all anymore in his name. In many ways, this is the first official persecution of the New Testament church. As the council warns them, do not speak anymore in his name. Tonight, we get another glimpse into the life of that New Testament church. How did they respond to that initial persecution? Uh, As we look at this, we find it to be uh, helpful for us. How do we respond when we face difficulties in our life today? Um, They responded by turning to God in prayer. Look at verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. That was their first response. They turned to God in prayer. The church 
at prayer. We have looked already in this series at a couple of the uh, New Testament sermons, and that was instructive for us, what we should look for in a sermon. Tonight, we look at the New Testament church in prayer. And this is also instructive for us to help us to know how we can pray in a way that is pleasing to God, uh, being taught by God's own word, the church at prayer. They gathered together, lifted up their voices together to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord. They begin their prayer by acknowledging God's sovereignty, by acknowledging His power over all things. The word that is used here is the word that we actually get our word despot from. Now we think of a despot as a harsh ruler, but a despot is simply someone who has all authority, who has all control. And so they call out sovereign Lord, an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. In the face of persecution, they recognize, even in this, God is still in control. He's the God who is sovereign over all things. I think I've said that before. If, if you want a, a very, very brief definition of, of what the Reformed faith is about, it's God's sovereignty over all things, all things that happen in my life, including my own salvation. God is sovereign in control of all of that. In their prayer, Sovereign Lord, they, they highlight three areas in which God is in control. His sovereignty in creation, His sovereignty in revelation, and His sovereignty in history. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They acknowledge God as creator because God's creation is evidence of his power. He is the God who spoke and things came into being. A belief in God's creative power is an affirmation of his sovereignty. You are powerful enough, you are in control of all things, so that when you speak, they come into being. Sovereign Lord, God of creation. Creation of the heavens, creation of the earth, creation of the sea, all parts of the creation. There is no place where God's power is not manifest. Creator of heavens, creator of earth, creator of sea, you are sovereign over all. You are sovereign over all the realms of creation. You are sovereign over all the inhabitants of creation. Sovereign God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. That's where they began. Their prayer began with an acknowledgement, God is in control. And it's the same way for us. Why do we pray? Why do we bother calling out to God? Prayer is not just some psychological crutch that makes us feel better. We call out to God because He actually can answer. He does hear and He works His purposes out perfectly. He is the God who is sovereign. 
That's, that's the basis of our prayers. If he was a God who was not in control, why call out to him? But we call sovereign God. Sovereign over all creation. He is also the sovereign God over revelation. What do they pray? The God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They recognize that God has spoken in his word. He is the God who reveals himself not only in creation, but also in the word he has given to us. You are the God who spoke already through our father David. As David spoke prophetically, of what was to come. God's revelation of himself and fulfillment of that revelation is an exercise of his sovereignty. It reminds us of his power. You knew beforehand what would happen, and you prophesied what would happen through your servant David. And they take that Old Testament word from Psalm 2 and they apply it to their situation. Verse 27, For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. They recognized this Old Testament psalm about God's anointed, spoke past David, the author, spoke of David's greater son, spoke of Jesus Christ. We recognize, O oh God, that your word spoke of him and what he would do and how he would be persecuted as well. And they would rise up against him. Those words spoken so long ago applied to Christ. The fulfillment of Scripture is evidence of God's sovereignty. That hundreds of years earlier, David could speak and speak so accurately about Jesus Christ and what would happen to him. God is sovereign in creation. God is sovereign in revelation. And he is also sovereign in the unfolding of history. Look at verse 28. They gathered together to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They did these things. They, they, they assaulted your anointed. But they did what your hand and what your plan had predestined to take place. God is a God over history. It unfolds as he has determined. God is never surprised by something that happens. God never says with regard to history, wow, I didn't see that coming. But it all unfolds perfectly because he is the sovereign. Even the persecution of his son 
Even those who would rise up against his anointed, God knew that beforehand. And if he knew of the persecution of his son, he would also know of the persecution of his son's church. God's sovereignty was an encouragement to them that even, even the persecution that they faced was unfolding according to God's plan. It is that same sovereign God to whom we pray today. Nothing surprises God. I think if you had asked me six months ago, will you ever wear a mask in the pulpit? I would have laughed at you. I couldn't imagine a situation where that would take place. This does not surprise God. The unfolding of events around us does not surprise God. And, and we can take comfort in that. Now, it doesn't mean we like what's happening. It doesn't mean we enjoy the difficulties of our life now. But, but we can take confidence in the fact that this virus is not a surprise to God. He unfolds history as he has determined. And if he can do that with, with something as, as widespread as this appears to be, he can certainly do that with the cares and the concerns of our lives, our difficulties, our frustration, knowing that God is in control of all things gives us confidence. When we have friction at home, when we have friction at work, when we face trials, God has not stopped being sovereign. And our, 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 our first defense should be falling on our knees and saying, Sovereign Lord, I know you are in control. Their response to persecution was to praise the sovereign God. And then they, they make requests of God. Verse 28, excuse me, 29. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When I, when I read this prayer and what their petition is, I am surprised by that. They are facing the first official persecution. I think my prayer would have been, God, stop the persecution. That would have been a very natural prayer for me to pray. What is it that they pray? And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Their prayer was not, first of all, take the persecution away. Uh, evidence of the fact that they actually expected that. If you speak in the name of Jesus Christ, don't be surprised when the persecution comes. No, their prayer is don't remove the persecution, but make me bold in spite of it. Make me bold to continue to speak your word. Not, first of all, take away the trial. 
but strengthen me through the trial. Again, we remind ourselves, God is working His perfect plan out, even when it doesn't seem to match what we think looks right. And so we say, God, You're doing what obviously is right. Give me boldness at this time. Boldness to continue to speak Your Word. Sometimes God leads us through green pastures, and life is easy. Sometimes He leads us through the stormy sea. But in all of these, in all of these, He is in control, and we look to Him for strength. We look to Him for boldness to continue to speak His Word. They prayed to Him because He was in control, and He was the God who could answer that prayer. They say in verse 30, Give us boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Remember, this was occasioned by a sign, by a wonder, a healing of a lame man. And they say, continue to do that, O God. Continue to perform those signs and wonders. And that is our prayer tonight as well that God continue to perform signs and wonders. Not not the wonders and signs of that New Testament age, when these signs were given to confirm the truth of the gospel, but that God continue the signs and wonders in our age when He brings us to confession of our sin and acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. That is a miraculous sign and a wonder. When a heart that is dead in transgressions and sins is brought to life, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is God reminding us He is still active today, doing His work, bringing His people to Him. And that must be our prayer. God, continue to do your work, signs and wonders of bringing people to repentance, bringing people to faith, having them embrace Jesus Christ, and give us boldness to declare that glorious truth. That's what we do again tonight. We hear that glorious truth of Jesus Christ and the call to faith and repentance. The call to stop thinking we are the sovereign, that we are in control, that we can somehow fix ourselves. But the call to recognize God's anointed, the one whom he has set on Zion, his holy hill, to bow the knee to him in confession of sin, repentance for sin, and to embrace that Lord Jesus Christ. That's the call of the gospel once again tonight, that the Spirit would use the ministry of His Word to do signs and wonders, and many may come to know the glories of salvation. They prayed to God. They acknowledged His sovereignty. They prayed, asking for great boldness in the face of persecution. And look what happens, verse 31. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, 
and the Spirit shook the place. Now, I don't expect the Spirit to actually physically shake our building this evening. But our hearts should be shaken. Shaken by the reminder God is the sovereign, God is in control, and He does hear and answer prayers. That's an amazing thing. Again, prayer is not a psychological band-aid. It's a call to a holy God who is able to do all according to His purposes. The evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence was the shaking that was going on. Have we become complacent when we hear the gospel? Have we become complacent when we say, well, it's just that same old thing again? Or are we once again moved? Our hearts burn within us for the glories of what Christ has done and a desire to share those truths with someone else. They they prayed for boldness. And what does our text say? And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I think um, in my own prayer life, there are times when I will pray for something and uh, God doesn't choose to answer right away, and then perhaps He answers later. And I, I think it's easy to begin to believe that's always the way God acts, is that we pray now and He answers sometime later. Look what happened here. They prayed for boldness, and immediately that prayer was answered. They continued to speak the word with boldness. Now, there are times when God asks us to wait upon him in prayer. But there should also be an expectation that as we call out to a sovereign God and we pray for what he desires, that is, boldness in declaring his word, that God would answer that prayer right away. That, that leaving here tonight, we would have a greater boldness in sharing the truth because God has already answered our prayers. Uh, there's, there's beautiful pictures of that given to us in God's Word. I think of the book of Daniel. Again, you might want to look this up later. Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel is praying on behalf of the people. And in Daniel 9, I'll pick up the reading at verse uh, 18. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear... Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Then he says, While I was speaking... And praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in my vision at the first time, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you that you are greatly 
loved. At the beginning of his prayer, as Daniel began to pray, God sent the answer. God sent Gabriel. We think of the words of Isaiah 65, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. We need a greater expectation that when we pray for what God desires for us and what God desires for his church, that he will answer immediately and by the power of the Spirit. When we pray for greater boldness, we need not wait for some time later, but God may give us opportunities even tomorrow already to speak with greater boldness, and he then answers that prayer. It's so often we just say, let's just wait for later, and God will maybe answer in the future. But how often doesn't God answer immediately? As we were praying, when we pray for those things in accord with His holy will, those things which He desires for His church, for the spreading of the gospel. The church at prayer in the New Testament. We are a church who is also called to be at prayer. We are called to be at prayer individually, in our families, and corporately. As we gather together, we acknowledge God's sovereignty. We acknowledge His power. We acknowledge His control. And even in doing that, we are assured, we are reminded, nothing happens outside of God's perfect providence. We pray that God would continue to show Himself merciful and gracious, as He has promised. He would be, do those things in concert with His Word. He has promised for all who embrace Jesus Christ, for all who know Him, there is the assurance of life eternal that God continue to fulfill those Old Testament prophecies in the beautiful life and ministry of His Son as expressed in our lives by the power of the Spirit. That as we call out to God in prayer, we have an expectation that as we pray for a greater boldness for that which God desires, the, de the declaration of the gospel, that God would answer that prayer sooner rather than later, and we would have that boldness to share the glorious truth that we know. May God help us to be a church at prayer. Let us join together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, you are the God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You are the God over all creation, and as such, O oh God, you are in control of all creation, which is why we turn to you once again tonight. You are the God who has revealed yourself in your holy word, Old Testament and new, speaking of your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for his people. Lord God, may we be encouraged by that message. And would you, O oh God, give us a boldness to declare that message as you gave your New Testament church, a boldness to speak the word to our times to those in our sphere of influence, at our homes, at our jobs, even in our recreation times. And Lord God, in this, will you give glory unto yourself as we have the privilege of being used by you 
to share the magnificent message of Jesus Christ that many may come to know him as Lord and Savior and that you would continue to build up your church using us as a people at prayer. We know we are weak, we know we are frail, and so we pray for your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit. Answer us quickly, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to turn to our worship folder once again to number 404. Number 404, Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. As thou hast sought, so let me seek thine erring children lost and lone. O oh, teach me, Lord, that I may teach the precious things thou dost impart and wing my words that they may reach the hidden depths of many a heart. We're going to sing all five verses, number 404. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you. 